there, welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a newlywed couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, Scott has introduced me to quite the cinematic masterpiece. Scott, what, what did you introduce me to this week? Okay, this week I introduced you to 1998's Blade. I think it's one of the earliest well-done superhero movies. Yeah, it was definitely entertaining, I will say that. So, dear, what's your first thoughts on this movie? Um, I would say that there are issues with it. Namely, the CGI is weird at parts. The story isn't always 100% clear, but I think the fact that the characters are so awesome makes up for a lot of the flaws. From my research that I did before watching this movie, this film, it was not that long after Batman vs. Robin, or ba- Batman and Robin. Yeah. Imagine Batman vs. Robin. Actually, it's a movie. That would be fun. Ooh, I want to watch that. No, it's not. It's not good. Blade is kind of widely considered the beginning of the rise of like darker superhero films in the mainstream. After this, they had X-Men, Spider-Man came out in 2002, the Raimi one. Yeah. And then Batman Begins was 2005. So this was kind of like the beginnings of that phase of film. It was. But even still, even when you compare it to like X-Men and Spider-Man, this is a lot darker than those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it is darker than Spider-Man, it has kind of that cartoonish quality to it, but also like has a mix of serious tone and like darkness in there. Of course, this also does suffer a little bit from the late 90s, 2000s, brooding. Yeah. Wesley does it very well. Oh, yeah, I like Wesley in this, for sure. And it's funny when you compare this to, like, Willie Mays Hayes. We love Willie Mays Hayes. Say hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? How you doing? Wesley's the big name of this cast. Yeah. So... The movie was directed by Stephen Norrington. He's a primarily a special effects guy, which I guess kind of makes sense for this because there's a yeah. lot of special effects in this movie. The only other film that I recognized that I found he directed was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <sighs> I've never seen that, but I heard it's not great. <laughs> okay, it's not great. I like parts of it because some of it's really cool in concept. So similar to Watchmen. Yeah, it's, it's quite similar, actually. Okay. And the film was written by David S. Goyer. And that that name sounded familiar to me. He did he wrote all the Blade movies. Oh, yeah. There are two other Blade films after this one. He also wrote the Ghost Rider sequel, which Ghost Rider was bad enough, but I can only imagine how the sequel was. Man of Steel, mm-hmm. Batman v Superman, okay. and Terminator Dark Fate. Okay, so it's not a not good. No, we're not we're not looking great. And also David Fincher apparently helped develop the script and was originally going to direct, but he ended up dropping out. So, Fincher's got a weird style. It, it would have been fucking cool, though, I feel like. Yeah, it probably could, would have been very cool. I know they talked about bringing Blade back. Well, yes, they, they are. He's going to be in the new phase of the MCU. Yeah. Mahershala Ali is playing him. Yes. Uh, which I'm, like, down for. Yeah. Especially after seeing this. I'm like, yes, Mahershala. So this film has a definite, like, mixed reviews. It has a critic score of 55 and an audience score of 78. 
but it definitely made a killing at the box office. Budget of forty-five million, worldwide gross of one hundred and thirty-one million. So it definitely killed. It didn't get any like fancy schmancy awards, obviously, no. a superhero movie. But I, I did find some uh, accolades for this movie that were a little interesting. It won Best Villain at the MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> Stephen Dorff. I am sure that award is right at the tippy top of his shelf at home. I'm sure. But it also uh, got a nomination at the Stinker Awards for Worst Actor for Wesley Snipes. Oh, that's wrong. I think so, too. I, you know what? Like, I get it. Because, like, he has this, like, monotone type thing going on, and it's kind of like, it but, could be kind of jarring maybe at first, but, like, I dug it. I think that's the point, like... Well, yeah, exactly, like, it works for the character, so, like, yeah. Snipes was also a producer on this movie. He was very much involved in the making of this film. He was also originally in discussions with Marvel to play Black Panther back in the day. Wakanda forever! Would have also been very good. Yeah. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, let's do some brief background on Blade as a character. Yes. He is a Marvel Comics character created by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. He first appeared as a supporting character in a comic in 1973. He is a mixture of a vampire and a human. But in the original comics, he was English. He wasn't American. Uh, my first introduction to Blade was he would show up in cartoons on occasion, and he usually fought Spider-Man. Good try, Spider-Man. But you've got a lot to learn about catching vampires. It's time I taught you a few tricks. Let's get into the nitty and the gritty. Yes, uh, let's do that. This movie starts, very weirdly, with a woman dying on the operating table who is pregnant and going into labor. This woman dies and... Like, they take away her child as she's, like, reaching for her child, and she, she dies. And we move on. It's, it's like, okay. And then we cut immediately to, as he is labeled into the movie, heat-seeking Dennis. He is named Dennis. Ha! Okay, so there's this guy, right? <laughs> we started off right away in conflict watching this movie. Okay? So there's this guy. He's in a car with this lady. And the lady is driving along very fast, very energized. I don't remember what exactly they said, but just out of nowhere, she just reaches over, grabs the guy's crotch, and he screeches like a fucking banshee. And I'm like, great, this is how we're starting. Oh, that's my heat seeker. Then it is. Ah, 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 ah. So I jolt into the into the story. I'm I'm paying very close attention now after this alarming screech that I've heard in my eardrums. And I look at this quote-unquote gentleman in the car and I think, hmm, he looks kind of familiar. Who does he look like? Ah, he looks like a young Dennis Quaid. My wife is crazy. To me, this guy looks like a young Dennis Quaid. She has no idea what Dennis Quaid looks like? I fucking do! <laughs> what do you mean? This man looks nothing like Dennis Quaid. A young Dennis Quaid. He looks yeah, he looks like nothing like He's Dennis Quaid from Dennis. Jaws 3D. He's named Dennis <laughs> for a reason, okay? Moving on. He really has no bearing on the entire movie in general. I just thought it was weird that this guy looks like a young Dennis Quaid. So this girl's taking him to a surprise. He doesn't know where he's going. They start walking through a meat locker, and he's, like, really confused. And they end up in this, like, rave. And they're partying, they're dancing. And then suddenly the DJ goes... Yeah, everybody ready? And blood starts raining from the ceiling. 
and Dennis starts freaking the fuck out. And then he realizes his date and everyone around him are vampires. Dun, dun, dun. And he's trying to run away and he gets his ass kicked and they're like playing with him. And as he's crawling away, he crawls to the boots of Blade. And just hands up to Wesley Snipes, all in black leather. And his sunglasses. Yeah, and his, like, fucking katana sword. Wesley comes in and just starts slaughtering vampires. If you want to make fun of, like, his cadence and his, like, way of speaking in this film, that's fine if you want to. Like, I get it, but, like... You can tell just by the way he's performing. He's into it, and he's very committed to this character. I think because, I mean, I don't know, obviously, being the whitest of the white girl, but I imagine being a black actor and being able to play a black superhero, it's pretty fucking cool, and especially, like, this is, like, a probably one of the first, if not the first... At least in movies, yeah. Yeah, a real mainstream endeavor of a a black superhero movie, probably feel an enormous amount of pressure to, like, bang it out. He starts killing people with fucking stakes and swords and shooting people. Some of the vampires come up and like, I'm gonna cut your head off, and he just blows her away with a shotgun. It's all to get to this guy, Quinn. Quinn is played by Donald Lowe. He uh, is one of those, like, character actors that's been in, like, a million things. He tends to play, like, the kind of annoying, schlubby, like, comic relief friend in a lot of movies and TV shows. That's basically what he is in this movie. He's the BFF of, like, the main villain, who we'll get to in a little bit. But he's kind of a pain in the ass, and uh, he he has dreads. He's a white Irish man, and he's got fucking dreads on. I, I don't know. Okay. So Blade basically... Shoves a stake in his shoulder, shoots his shoulder, pins him to the wall with one stake, pins him to a wall with the second stake, and then is like, I want to know where Deacon Frost is. And Quinn's like, I ain't telling you shit. So Blade lights him on fire. Whoosh! <laughs> <laughs> and Quinn's screaming. The cops and the firefighters are now showing up. Yeah, uh, Blade kind of ducks out of there before. Oh, and it's also a really cool effect when he kills like a vampire that probably like disintegrates. Yeah. I actually think that's actually a cool effect. Yeah, that effect is okay. Like, here's the thing. The CGI in this film is very odd because there are certain times where CGI is used that it's it's not, like, amazing or anything, obviously, but, like, for the technology that was available at the time, it's fine. It holds up okay. But then there are certain parts where it's just, like, over the top and, like, no. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, no. Ew. So he... He leaves right before the cops show up. And fun fact about this particular part where the cops and the firemen show up, there was supposed to be a Stan Lee cameo in this film. Oh, really? But it was cut. He originally was supposed to play a cop in this club coming in, discovering Quinn's oh, charred-up body. That would have been great. Why did they cut it? Oh. I don't know. I mean, maybe it just didn't fit. I mean, I don't know like what tone they were going to cameo. Yeah, because I guess having Stan come in, because you know it's Stan, it probably would took you out of the movie a bit. So, they take this charred up body to the morgue. The morgue doctor notices something strange, so he goes and grabs a hematologist. Our hematologist is Dr. Karen. Yes, played by Nabouche Wright. She's talking to this morgue physician named Curtis, and we quickly realize that 
she and Curtis used to get it on. But Curtis is kind of a dipshit. She's basically like, Curtis, I thought I told you I wanted your face. And he's like, I just want to ask your advice about this blood sample I took from this corpse. Because apparently there's something like wonky with the blood. He's like, okay, I just want you to look at the body. She's like, all right, fine. So they go in to check out this charred corpse. <laughs> and then Curtis is like asking her as he's cutting open this corpse. You ever have second thoughts about us? Sometimes. But then I remember how much of an asshole you were. You want to cut me some slack here? Yeah, like, not a really inappropriate time, but okay. <laughs> and then fucking Quinn pops up, bites Curtis, and like, kills him. Yeah, and this is where I started to get worried about Karen <laughs> as an actress. I mean, because the Boucher right really has absolutely zero reaction to this corpse horror. popping up and biting somebody. I mean, if a dead body pops up and bites and murders anyone, I feel like I would have a pretty strong reaction. But, um, no. Yeah, she just kind of has, like, dead eyes and just no reaction at all. And I'm just concerned. <laughs> yeah. And then the fucking corpse goes to her and still, Nabouche Wright has barely any reaction. <laughs> She's just like, ah, security and i'm like wait what <laughs> she, he's biting your neck <laughs> he's gnawing at your neck like a chicken bone lady <laughs> and then blade walks into the hospital like a badass like a badass <laughs> and fucking slashes quinn's arm off and as he's like okay i came to finish you off motherfucker quinn is basically like the Marvel equivalent of that lady from the second Austin Powers movie that never fucking dies. He always comes back. You can't win, Powers. Why won't you die? Yeah. And then, yeah, the security guards in the hospital have guns and they just start opening fire. Well, okay. Well, it makes sense for them to shoot at Blade because he's a man with a sword in the middle of a hospital. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> He looks at them and goes, Oh the fuck are you out of your damn mind? Oh yeah. <laughs> when they start shooting at him, he just turns around and he's like, Are you out of your damn mind? He's very somber a lot of the time, very stoic. But then once in a while, he'll just like whip out some sass on you. So Quinn takes this opportunity, runs, jumps out the window, crashes into an ambulance, and then runs away. Blade's like, shit. He looks down at Karen, who's now like bleeding from her neck. So he picks up Karen, deciding he's going to try and save her. So the cops come, and they're chasing Blade. And Blade locks them out of the door. And his best decision now, as he's holding Karen, is he throws her across the street. She crashes and dislocates her shoulder. Yeah, and you know how we know she dislocates her shoulder? Because when Blade goes to the other fucking building and catches up with her, she, like, tells him that. And I'm thinking, um... That vampire just took a nice chunk out of your fucking neck. Like, should you even be talking? <laughs> should you be more like... Uh, also, the cops, they open fire on Blade while he's holding this, like, limp, half-alive woman. If anything, he has a hostage. That's your protocol? Like, you shoot kidnapping assailants while they're holding their victims? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Blade takes Karen back to his secret hideout. And we get to meet Whistler. Played by Chris Christopherson, who I know from the 
70s version of Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. quite different in this movie but uh yeah whistler's a cool fucking character i like whistler blade takes karen and plops her down he goes okay we gotta help her and whistler goes you should have just shot her whistler injects her with a garlic substance that might work it might not so now blade goes and picks up the serum because you find out later in the movie that blade is still a vampire it turns out the woman in the beginning who was dying was his mother who had gotten bit by a vampire while she was pregnant with him. So he's got vampire powers, but can walk around during the day. Like yeah, he ages like a human. He can walk around during the day, but he has super strength like vampires. And the thirst for blood. Which the serum that he picks up from this guy, it suppresses the thirst for blood. Yeah, but it's starting to not work. Yeah, he's starting to build a tolerance. So uh, now we come to an evil boardroom. You can tell it's an evil boardroom because it's dark and there are men in dark suits speaking in hushed, dark, deep tones. And they're talking about all the people that died in this club that Blade just busted in. It's like basically the vampire Illuminati. And they go, you know what? Bring in Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost, so intimidating, not really scrawny little Stephen Dorff. This is probably Stephen Dorff's most notable credit. He's been in other things, but I I don't recognize any of them. But he did okay in this. Yeah, I, I don't think he was meant to be intimidating. Because I think from the point in the very beginning, like the evil board members bring up the fact that he is not a pure blood vampire. Right. Instead of being born a vampire, he was a human that was bit and then became a vampire. Yeah. They make it very obvious that they have a disdain for Frost. Which I think is interesting because it kind of sets up a unique dichotomy between Blade and him because they're both kind of outsiders in their species. So Blade is now taking the serum that uh, Whistler is injecting him with and Doc wakes up. And she's, like, walking around this place that she has no idea where she is. Oh, yeah, she's way too, like, calm. Yeah, this, this, this is at the point where I'm still a little concerned about Nabouchet, right? In this role, I'm like, eh, okay. Later on, she gets a chance to shine by doing, like, action-y stuff. Yeah, because at first you think she's just going to be, like, the damsel in distress type. But then later on, I ended up very, like, okay, we're good. <laughs> So it, it gets better from here. But basically at this point, she's just like kind of stalking around Whistler's place, kind of looking like she's just tiptoeing around her house looking for a midnight snack or something. She gets noticed by Whistler and Whistler starts chasing her. And she runs into a lock gate and Whistler just kind of walks up and goes, how's it going? Yeah, like, why are you running? Like, you don't know where you are. First of all, they just saved your life. It's not like they're going to fucking kill you. And second of all, you don't even know where you are. Like, where are you going? <laughs> Why are you running? Why are you running? Why are you running? She goes, who are you people? He goes, well, I'm Whistler. And you've already met Blade. And Blade pops, like... He literally just pops up into frame. Yeah, he pops up and crosses his arms Yeah, like, her. now, now, little girl, you can't have Oreos after midnight. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just, it was so weird. So they, they introduce themselves to her and tell her about everything. Whistler gives her vampire mace. They explain, like, the whole vampire thing to her, and she's like, I can't, I don't believe you guys. What do you mean? Like, really? After everything you've been through the past, like, 12 hours, you don't believe? He injected you with fucking garlic. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Whistler's like, One other thing. Buy yourself a gun. You start getting sensitive to daylight. You find you're thirsty, regardless of how much you had to drink. And I suggest you take that gun and use it on yourself. It's like the fucking Walking Dead where, like, they know they were bit, but, like, they don't want to turn into a fucking walker, so they're like... It's different when you turn into a walker because you lose yourself. Yeah. Vampires don't lose themselves. Well, they kind of do. Well, they become bloodthirsty, yes, but they still have some of themselves in there. You know, when you become a walker, you're just a zombie. So Blade takes her back to her apartment and basically is like... Good luck, bye. (laughs) Peace. Have fun. She walks in and she sees these two people standing in front of her and they have tattoos on the back of their necks. The same tattoo. Yeah, so she gets, like, suspicious and so then she goes in her apartment and she's packing a bag to, like, get the fuck out of Dodge. And then all of a sudden, a cop walks into her house. Just is there. And I'm like, that's not a thing a cop would do. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the cop walks in and goes, you know, just a routine check. Uh, we heard you got taken last night. We just came in to check on you. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. He goes, well, you're not going to be. And he pulls the gun and suddenly Blade comes out and punches him in the face. And she's like, wait a minute. You use me as bait? Get over it. <laughs> that was great. So Blade starts beating this guy up. Drags him downstairs, opens the cop's trunk, finds out there's blood in it. Yeah, he's like a lackey for Deacon Frost. He's not actually a vampire. No, he's a familiar, Yeah, as Blade says. Blade finally gets fed up with him and is going to shoot him in the head. And Karen grabs the gun. Yeah, because, I mean, understandably, because it's the middle of the day, they're in a crowded street. (laughs) Like, don't kill a motherfucker. Well, I guess in the vampire world, where vampires rule everything, (laughs) if they, you know... This is a vampire world, and I am a vampire girl. (laughs) You did I just died in your arms tonight last week. I can do material, girl. Leave me alone. (laughs) So the cop runs off. Blade looks at Karen and he goes, You better get your shit together, because you'll eventually have to learn to pull the goddamn trigger. Yeah, and then, you know, she's like, I'm sticking with you. And he's like, you're useless. And I'm like, eh, at that point, I was like, yeah, pretty much. So they decide they're going to stake out this police car. And Karen's like, no one's that stupid to come back to the police car. Two seconds later, cop comes back to the police car. Yeah, and Wesley Stipes gets his, like, uh, shit-eating grin. Yeah, it was really good. It was like the Bruce Willis... I hate mayonnaise, I love ketchup kind of smile. Every red-blooded American knows that the only condiment you are ever supposed to put on a hamburger is ketchup! You just wanted to play that clip, didn't you? Oh yeah, I did. (laughs) That clip gives me life. (laughs) So he's following the cop, and the cop's calling, saying he needs Deacon. Oh yeah, it was like the editing at this part was like super weird. You get that sharp, quick edits that, like, why are we editing like this? Quick, like, cuts and, like, this, like, weird booming, like, music over it. I don't know. Yeah. Also, the music is very late 90s. Yeah, Uh, for sure. So, Blade 
follows him to another club. Blade walks in basically untouched. He knocks out one guard and nobody says anything to him. This guy, it, yeah, but you figure that this guy is the day walker. Mm-hmm. The people notice him when he walks into this club and nobody like budges. Like nobody says a word. So he finds the cop in the back room, beats him up some more. And then the cop goes, there's a secret entrance in the fridge. There's a secret entrance in the fridge. And he goes, you give Frost a message for me. You tell him it's open season on all suckheads. And fucking just shoves him away. There are a couple times Blade in the middle of a fight will just kind of shove a guy. <laughs> it's fucking oh, yeah, hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. Like just in such like a sassy way where like, I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> and it's, it's great. Every time he does it. Frankie got a kick out of it every time it happened. Oh yeah. Him and Karen walk down the secret passageway to an archive. Yeah, last week we had a movie with archives, too. What is it with movies and archives? <laughs> hey, archives are important. <laughs> it's just a good way to get exposition out. Oh, yeah. And they find Pearl. Pearl was confusing to me for so many reasons. So basically, they, they go into this archive and they find this enormous, gelatinous, like, not just... When I say enormous, I don't mean like, oh, he was fat. Like, oh, he was a little jolly. No. I mean like my 600-pound life times 10 enormous screechy-voiced male character named Pearl. Okay, why? Why? <laughs> why does this character exist? So- why is he enormous like this? Why is he, like, the mom from Gilbert Grape? Deacon has this whole big plan. He's trying to translate this old vampire knowledge. And Pearl had done it for him, officially finished it, and sent it to Deacon. Deacon's having a party in some high-rise. And uh, as the cop comes to him and tells him Blade is there, Deacon just bites his neck and just, like, throws him into the pool. He's calling Pearl. And Pearl's like, Blade's here! Blade's here! And he goes, Pearl dives some dignity. <laughs> so Blade, he finds this file that of the translation that he sent Deacon, and he goes, what's this? And uh, Pearl's like, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. So he has Karen shoot a beam of... Like, high-intensity light. At him, and it starts burning Pearl. <laughs> That must hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, every time Pearl fucks up, Blade has Karen shine this light on him. And uh, he gets the information about that this is a ritual to bring about the blood god. Oh, yeah, and he likes farts randomly, too, because farts are funny. Yes, farts are funny. Right? Right? <laughs> Blade's like, oh, okay, well, thanks for telling me that. I'm gonna go check out the storage room. Karen, if he moves, shoot him with the light again. He's like, no, no, no. And Karen just fucking blows him away, basically, with this fucking light. Yeah, and she's like, he moved. <laughs> this is like when she started to turn, I feel like. Yeah, you. this is like the first moment where she kind of like starts doing shit. Because yeah. even before, Blade gives her a gun and he's like, you know how to use this? And she's like, nope, but I'm a quick learner. And I'm like, all right, sweetheart, yeah. there we go. Because like, that's, you know, as... As a woman, oh, I get excited when 
there are female characters that break the mold of just female sidekick, female romantic waif that, you know, always has to be saved. She wasn't that. I thought she was going to be, but she wasn't. I was happy about that. Yeah, so it turns out Blade is in uh, a room filled with the vampire's Bible, as he puts it. It's basically a, a history of the vampires from the first vampire. And he is attacked by Quinn, who has been given orders by Deacon to bring Blade in alive. They surprise him. They take away his weapons. Uh, one guy gets his hand blown off by Blade's sword. Because we learned that earlier on, that if uh, somebody touches Blade's sword... Oh yeah, like little spikes come out of the handle and like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> fucks your hand up. That was a cool little detail. I like that. Quinn's having a jolly old time. The fact that he has the advantage on Blade right now. And for you to know, Quinn has now regenerated. He's back to his full self. Oh yeah, he, he's back. He's back and better than ever. He takes one of Blade's silver stakes and stabs Blade in the shoulder, saying, I owed you that one. And he, go, and he takes another one, he's like, technically, I actually owed you two. And Blade starts laughing at him. And he goes, what's so funny? And Blade goes, I was expecting company. And fucking Whistler comes in and blows the fucking wall open. Catch you fuckers at a bad time. Woo! Whistler's here to save the day. And Whistler starts unloading on fucking vampires with a fucking machine gun. Blade gets free, grabs his sword, grabs Karen, and they start running. Turns out they are next to the subway system. Whistler throws down the bag, and a fucking bomb blows up as they just, like, skirt safely away from it. Whistler falls, but, you know, he, he gets away safely. Blade jumps to the other side of the tracks, where... Quinn and a couple guys try to follow him, and the other guys get fucking smashed by a train. So now it's Quinn versus Blade. Karen fell over for a little bit, and Blade's sword. Yeah, this was really the moment where I was like, yes, bitch, because she comes up, and instead of just, like, scrambling up and, like, trying to save herself, she gets up, grabs Blade's sword, and stabs up at Quinn and gets him distracted enough where Blade can kind of take yeah. him out. Well, yeah, Blade... I was like, yes, bitch, yes. Blade actually, one of the shots I thought was really cool, he takes Quinn's face and puts it onto the subway, which is eerily familiar to the Spider-Man doing it to Sandman later on in Spider-Man 3. Quinn gets away, though. He gets... He, he and he just starts running away. And Blade starts noticing that more people are starting to come. And he, he's outnumbered. He's, he does not have the arsenal to take out all these vamps. So he grabs Karen and goes, uh, this is our train. <laughs> grabs it and he goes. He dislocates his shoulder. But this is the first time that Karen learns that he still has a thirst for blood. But then they go back to Whistler's and Whistler kind of gives Karen the lowdown on Blade's real backstory. I found him when he was 13. He'd been living on the streets, feeding off the homeless. His need for blood had taken hold of puberty. I took him for a vampire at first. Almost killed him, too. So after Karen learned all this, she goes into the room with Blade and, like, has a conversation with her. And it's actually a pretty nice scene where it's very, very somber. She's basically telling him, like, you should try to forget 
what you did in the past. You know, it, it, it was a long time ago. You were a kid, like, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And Blade's like, you you have no idea. You don't know what I've been through. Like, you can't fucking just tell me to forget, which is a fair response, I think. But it was a really good acting moment for, for Snipes. It was, again, a very somber scene. Yeah. But then it's completely undercut <laughs> by the harshest cut I've ever fucking seen where they just go straight to Quinn like arguing back and forth with this blonde girl who's Deacon Frost's girlfriend and it's just like so loud and obnoxious and like I get it it's like they did it that way on purpose because contrast that's fun right that's artistic no it's just really jarring and weird and kind of undercuts that whole somber really good moment we had and every time I take one of those monsters out I get a little piece of that life back. So don't you tell me about forgetting. My father took us by surprise! We were outgunned! Don't point your finger at me! So it turns out Deacon's grand plan is starting to come together. He grabs the head elder vampire and brings him out, like he kidnaps him basically, and brings him out to, say, beach kind of area. Yeah. And goes, when was the last time you stopped to appreciate a good sunrise? Oh, that's right. You were born a vampire, so you never had the pleasure, have you? He rips out his fangs. Yeah, this scene's pretty brutal in its violence. The, the scene itself is pretty well acted, so it kind of makes up for what's coming next as far as the effects. <laughs> yeah. So he goes over and he's like, see you later. Quinn makes a stupid comment about, oh, you we get a little bong in the tooth. And they put on motorcycle helmets to cover like themselves from the sunlight. Yeah, the business guy bursts into flames and basically like disintegrates. And the effects, it's not good, (laughs) but it's not bad enough that it's like distracting from the overall tone of like the scene. So it kind of works. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Maybe it is fine. So they go back and Deacon's like, we're taking over now. We're going to take 12 of you. And uh, he takes 12 vampires with him. Uh, is it made clear why he's doing that yet? No, it's not made clear. He just he goes, I need 12 volunteers. Yeah, that's the thing, too, about this movie. Like, usually with movies like this, there's a good guy and a bad guy. And the bad guy's got an evil scheme. And the good guy's got to stop the evil scheme. And, like, there is some of that, I guess, but the evil scheme part is pretty vague and, like, not always 100% clear. So if it seems like it's not clear the way we're explaining it, that's why. So we cut back to Karen, Whistler, and Blade. I like this scene, too. Blade and Whistler are chatting, and then they look at Karen like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I went to the hospital because, you know, I'm a fucking doctor and I borrowed some equipment. I don't think you can just borrow equipment. She stole it. But, like, badass bitch. Okay. So she stole some equipment. (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to make a cure for vampirism. That's my girl. Science queen. We love science. Knowledge is power. Schoolhouse rocks. She discovers a drug that she usually uses causes vampire blood to explode. Yeah, they use it for, like, uh, blood coagulation. Yes. For, like, anemia, I think is what she said. So, yeah, she tests it, 
and the blood sample, like, blows up in fucking Blade's face. And he gives her a look like, what the fuck, bitch? And she's like, I told you to step back. This is a science experiment. I do science. It's gonna help you fucking blow up some vampire heads. And I'm like, ooh, bitch. That was the scene where, like, I was at the height of, like, girl power, equalization between the sexes. Hmm. So she goes, I need some of your blood, Blade, so I can do some tests. And he goes, okay. Melissa goes off coughing. Karen looks at Blade and goes, something wrong with him? He goes, uh, he's got cancer. Because why not? So Blade goes off while Karen's working on her science stuff. He's walking through, like, a busy street, traffic and people bustling and hustling and everything. And then he hears a whisper, Blade! And then he looks out and he sees Deacon Frost across the street. And then he's, like, looking at him through, like, the traffic or whatever. And then all of a sudden, the whole scene turns into, like, this beautiful garden area. And it's just the two of them and this small little Asian child that Deacon Frost has, like, holding hostage. And I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) What is this? Can vampires just change locations at will? What's going on? (laughs) No, it's fine. So, Deacon, it turns out Deacon's wearing sunscreen. Oh, yeah, because, you know, it's a high SPF. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's got to be SPF at least 200. <laughs> but anyway. So, yeah, Deacon's wearing sunscreen. But if, the, okay, if that's all it takes, then why don't they all just wear sunblock? Well, I guess because if it runs. Then... Right, but, like, you know, if you just have to make a quick, like, cigarette run, like, just get off some sunblock. It might be different. It's it not that big of a deal. It might also be he's not pure-blooded. Oh, yeah, right. Maybe. I don't know, I can't... The scene is confusing for many reasons. Continue. Yeah, it's not really explained very well. So, Deacon basically is waxing poetic to Blade. He offers Blade a chance to join him. Blade goes, you're just another dead vampire to me. He goes to pull his sword out, and, and then... Deacon's like, oh, I'll kill her. So yeah, he, he, he literally picks the kid up like with one hand and is like, ah. <laughs> and he goes, Blade, I know everything about you. I know about Whistler. I know where your secret base is. He basically tells him, like, I know everything about you. I've been stalking you on Facebook. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you should have blocked me when you had the chance. Finally, Blade gets sick of him and pulls his gun and fires three bullets. And Deacon launches this girl into the middle of the street and starts running away. Right when he throws the little girl, it turns from the garden back to the street. And the girl lands in the middle of the road. Deacon runs away, Blade shoots out of a bit, and then turns and goes and saves the little girl. Just in the nick of time. So now we cut back to Whistler and Karen, and Karen has discovered a cure for vampirism. She's a fucking genius, apparently. Whistler, like, earlier on in the movie, said, like, I, you know, I've looked for years, years and years for a cure, and I've never been able to figure it out. She figured it out in a span of, like, a day. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. Yeah, basically. All right, honey. I mean, to be fair, she thought she if she didn't find it, she was going to fucking die. So maybe that was the, the best motivation. She's like, okay, I don't know if it will work on Blade, so on and so forth. And suddenly, people have now invaded the area. And it turns out it's Deacon, Quinn, and all their goons. And the rest. <laughs> Whistler gets a couple of shots off of a couple of people, kills a couple of them. But they outnumber him and... Beat the living piss out of Whistler. And then, this next scene was literally my favorite scene in the whole movie. 
up to this point, I was enjoying myself, and I was having a grand old time with this movie, but I was also recognizing that this wasn't like, you know, fucking Shakespeare, let's put it that way. But this scene is so much better than any other scenes in this movie, so just buckle up. So Blade comes back to the Fortress of Solitude. Um, <laughs> it's surely a solitude now, because there's only one solitary person in this fucking cave. He sees what's clearly a body covered by a sheet lying in this chair, and it's got blood all over it. And Wesley Sykes' performance, just in this scene, is fucking great. He can't even fucking look at it. He just reaches over to the sheet and pulls it down, and he just stands there for a minute. He's like, like, he just can't look, but he knows he has to. And then he looks, sees Whistler, and, like, his reaction is just so, like, oh, gives me chills. Yeah, because he, he, he basically knows Whistler's gone. Yeah, he looks fucking dead. And then, after he's sitting there for just a second in silence, just kind of absorbing the moment, Whistler goes, they took her. They took the girl. And he looks over, he's like, oh, she's still alive. And then he, like, goes over to Whistler, and he's trying to, like, kind of tend to his wounds. It's actually really sad, because he's taking this cloth or whatever, and he's, like, dabbing at his wounds. But, like, you can tell that he thinks it's not really... Yeah. It's not worth it. He's basically gone. Yeah, Whistler goes, you can't go. You can't go save her, because we deciphered the information you got from Pearl. And they need your blood to work whatever... This ritual they gotta do to make this thing happen, whatever it is. So you can't, you can't go. You'll be going right into a trap. And Blade's like, "Yeah, I know, but I gotta go anyway." So this is the part where I actually started getting like glassy eyed. I was like, "Oh my god, what's happening to me?" That's <laughs> like so surprised. I can treat the wounds. It's too far gone. You know that. Give me a goddamn gun. And he gives him a gun. And he just... And he, uh, uh, and he goes, walk away. Oh, like I'm feeling it now. And he just, he walks away. And the music swells, the score in this moment is really good. And you just hear the gunshot. And he walks off. And you see the gun fall out of Chris Christopherson's hand. And that's the end of the scene. And I'm like, my emotions, my emotions. Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that was both dark and powerful. And holy shit, I was like about to start crying. <laughs> I was not expecting that level of emotional reaction from myself in this movie. <laughs> okay. So I, I was pleasantly floored by that. Oh, yeah. It was it was a great scene. Uh, Blade gets weapons ready, he gets his guns, he gets uh, the new potion from Karen that will blow up vampires. I like to call it the Blue Bomber. Fun. Oh, and also, while we're talking about fun phrases, during that cool-ass scene, the phrase vampire apocalypse is thrown around, which I really enjoyed. I'd sound like a great, like, emo band from 2003. So, we cut to Karen is sitting with Deacon and Quinn, and Deacon's like, basically talking down to her, and Karen fucking fires back and going, Vampires like you aren't a species. You're just infected. 
a virus, a sexually transmitted disease. I'll tell you what we are, sister. We're the top of the fucking food chain. As far as Karen goes, this is a scene where I'm like, okay, the character of Karen, I very much love. The actress in Boucher, right, I'm still like on the fence about. Because her delivery of lines in this scene are like, eh, but the lines themselves are cool. So it's like, it kind of balances out and it, it, the scene is fine. Like she does fine. Like I, I don't think she's bad in this at all. I think I've definitely seen a lot worse. Let's put it that way. Like you mentioned Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Like just picture Lupita Nyong'o in this part. I'm oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's sick. Oh, yeah. Like if, if she was around in 98 to be in this movie, she would have killed this. Oh yeah. Cause she kills everything. Cause Lupita. Uh, Cynthia Erivo also would have been an interesting oh, role. Oh, yeah. Cynthia Erivo, I love her. I really do. Because both of them can do that emotional thing. I don't know if the Karen character was just made up for this movie or if she's in the comics. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, if she's in the new MCU movie, I'm curious to see who will get to play her. Because they can't be Lupita because she's in Black Panther. But maybe they'll get Cynthia. That would be sick. If you've never seen Bad Times of the El Royale... I highly recommend it. She's great in that. It's a very, I think, underrated movie from, I think it was like last year or the year before. Yeah. You can hurry love. No, you just have to wait. She said love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. You can hurry love. No, you just have to wait. Okay, we're going to have topic now. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just like. Twitter padded over Cynthia Riva. Okay. Sorry, I, I brought her up. It's my fault. She's a fucking queen, anyway. So yeah, Blade busts into like the lower levels and starts shooting fucking vampires all over the place. Oh yeah, he he kills this one like henchman, and he's got him like on the floor, and the guy is screaming at Blade like, "No, no, no! Don't kill me! I only work for them!" And I'm like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just I just work for the Nazis. I just wear the uniform. I don't really I don't really believe in killing the Jews. Like fuck you, dude. By the way, Wesley points the shotgun at the guy through like a waterfall. And it's a cool looking shot. Yeah, yeah, that was a good shot. So Deacon grabs Karen and brings her to like this pit and fucking throws her in. And it Karen falls down into the pit. And it turns out I fell into the pit. <laughs> Rat. Oh, I love Andy Dwyer. <laughs> so Karen falls into this pit, and uh, turns out that they turned the morgue worker there into a vampire. I think he's just there as kind of like the rancor of yeah. this universe. See what I did there? Yeah. I, I made a Star Wars. Ah, ah, that was good. Was good. I did it, right? I, yes, I, you, I did it. <laughs> you did it. You did it right. You were good. Yippee! So it turns out he, he's like, oh, Karen, and do you still ever think about us? And he's got, like, this weird kind of accent. Yeah, I thought that was so weird. I'm like, wait, at first he was, like, a, just a normal, like, American nerdy-sounding dude, like Joe Schmo. And then, I guess when he turns into like, a fucking rancor vampire, he gets turned into a scraggly-voiced British man. I don't know how that happens. Well, it's funny, because uh, they call him Creepy Coroner in, the like, the credits. He's, that's his... He's, that's his name? He, he has a fucking name, Yeah, they call though. him Curtis. I don't know why. Why don't they call him that in the credits? That's so weird. Yeah, I don't, Creepy coroner. And, unless unless he's not the same guy. Yeah, that seems like a weird... Okay. 
<laughs> so Karen fights him off and he escapes the pit, dragging herself out. I escaped from the pit. Okay. Oh, God. So Blade is still fighting in, and he's, these two fucking henchmen start having this big fight with Blade. And Blade takes a blue bomber serum, stabs one of them in the eye, and fucking stabs the other one to the wall of it. Yeah, okay, this is one of the points that the CGI was, like, balls-to-the-wall fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, it literally looked like a cartoon. Like, the guy's face blew up and got, like... Bubbly. Tomato red and bubbled over and then exploded. It was just Uh, weird-looking. Blood in this movie, because all the blood CGI, for the most part. Yeah, no. It's bad. It's bad, it's bad. You know what I think it is? I think it's when, like, they use CGI for, like, the fantastical things. Yeah. It looks okay because it fits the tone because it's a fucking movie about vampires. But then when you try to use the CGI for like realistic things like blood or like medical, you know, yeah. like deaths and stuff, then it looks sketchy. Yeah. It looks not real and dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of makes me long for like practical effects. Yeah, well, of course, because when you look at things like The Thing. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. Like, that stuff was... Or older horror movies. Like, that stuff's fucking amazing what they could do with, like, limited ability. So they blow up and fucking Blade... He walks into this white room. He's looking around, and suddenly... There's, like, this Kaufman-type-looking white box. And and it it starts rising up. Yeah. And this woman walks out, and Blade looks at her, and it's his mother. What? What the fuck? That was a twist. <laughs> and then Deacon comes in, and it's revealed that Deacon Frost was the vampire that bit his mother all those years ago, and is the reason that Blade is a freaking vampire to begin with. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I that was a good twist. I genuinely was not expecting that. You got me, movie. You fucking got me. All right, all right. I'm in. I'm buckled in. I'm strapped. I'm ready to go. <laughs> They drag Blade away. He's been beaten down. And they stick him in this thing to drain the blood out of him. While all this is going on, Deacon is now taking these 12 board members and like has brought them in and lines them up around this, this giant stone circle in this temple. So the plan is, once he drains Blade of his blood, he's going to sacrifice these 12 pure blood vampires and become a vampire god. Fun. Before the ceremony or whatever ritual starts, Quinn's wearing fucking Blade sunglasses. How dare he, fucker. Deacon sets Blade into the machine. He throws away the blue bomber serum because he thinks that's just the serum to stop him from being bloodthirsty. Yeah, he knows how to, like, click off the spikes on Blade's sword. He's like, I told you I've been following you. I've been swiping right on you for ten years. Finally, they strap Blade into this medieval-looking torture device. And his mother, like, does it, like, straps him in. Oh, yeah, that was creepy. She, like, cuts his shirt off of him. And when he gets in the little machine, she, like, gets all up in his grill. Like, it's weird. And then she's like, I'm not really your mother. Your mother died years ago. And it's like, oh, jeez. I've hunted. I've killed. And I've enjoyed it. Haven't you? I know you have. Sooner or later, the thirst always wins. The whole focus is on Blade's character, really, throughout the movie, yeah. and it's his struggle with where he fits in in the world and who he really is. Is he a vampire? Is he a 
a human. Human is he good? Is he evil? So she finally straps him in, and his blood starts draining out of his body and starts dripping down onto all the other vampires. While this is all going on, Karen is sneaking around. She eventually finds Blade. And while this is also going on, Deacon's rituals going on. She lets Blade out, mm-hmm. and Blade falls to the floor. He's bleeding out. It's crazy because Frankie goes, "Is Karen gonna save him?" I was like, yes, queen, yes. So Blade falls to the floor. He's very weak. And Karen at this point is like, we got to get you back on your feet, Blade, because you got to save the day here. So she says to Blade, listen, I want you to take some of my blood. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. He's very weak, but he doesn't want to feed it off of her. And she's like, fucking do it. Do it. Just do it! Because we gotta get this shit done, alright? So I really liked this for her character because she's making quite the sacrifice. She knows that he's stronger than her. So when he does feed on her. Yeah, and he's like, already he's thirsty for blood at this right. point. He might not. Because he hasn't had his serum, so like the thirst is getting yeah. really bad. So she's like, he could very likely kill me if I do this. Yeah, he might not stop. But if I don't, then. Fucking Deacon Frost is gonna take over the world, so let's fucking do it. Yeah, and so, I really, I love that for her character. Yeah. So while this is going on, while he's sucking her blood, it, it, which is a really cool scene, we are contrasted with a, another bad CGI scene because that's going on Deacon right now. Oh yeah, very indicative of this whole movie, like yeah. the good and the bad, so very mixed together. So the pure bloods are getting blood rained on them, which is still that's actually a cool part. They're like being held in place, and then their fucking skeletons hop out of their mouth. As Deacon's standing in the middle of this circle. Yeah, that wasn't too bad, honestly. Those skeletons look bad, then. I mean, it's more of the fantastical stuff. What really looked bad was the CGI, like, blood dripping down the wall. Yeah. And, like, going different directions. Yeah. That looked really bad. Again, if you want this to look good, look at Cabin in the Woods. Looks great in Cabin in the yeah, Woods. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, the skeletons, like, come out of their body, and they have, like, wings, and they turn into demons. I know, as I'm saying that, it sounds fucking crazy. And it is. But, like... Considering the tone of the overall movie, it's not the fucking weirdest no, thing. No, it's not. And they're flying through Deacon as Deacon has this blood on his face. He basically is possessed by the blood god. Yeah. Lamagra, I think it's what yes, it's called. Yes, Lamagra. So I'm going to share a fun fact with you guys. In the original cut of this movie, by the way, it was 140 minutes long. Thank God they cut it down. Just saying. But anyway... It tested real bad with audiences, which led to heavy re-edits and reshoots, mainly the ending. The release was delayed more than six months because of all the reshoots they had to do. Wow. If that was today, people would be like up and like, oh God, this yeah, is going to be a disaster. Sure. So would you like me to share with you what the original ending yes. was? So in the original ending, Frost turns into La Magra, the yeah. blood god, and becomes a big swirling mass of blood and it kind of just like washes over the whole town that's interesting because they actually if you look at one of the scenes beforehand they show what's supposed to happen in this ceremony and then like blood starts coming up from the center and it shoots through the entire screen right so they must have kept that from the original i guess yeah so the reason they changed it was A, it didn't test well, and then B, they could never get special effects right. It's kind of, when you think about it, a big fucking giant wave of blood. Oh, it looked terrible. 
is kind of a big undertaking, especially in 1998, I assume. You know what I mean? Now they could probably do it like that. But so they ended up just scrapping it and going with a a more subtle ending. Um, Well, subtle maybe is the wrong word. (laughs) But a a less CGI-erific ending. Yeah, so during this, so finally when the transformation is complete, Blade also screams like... As he shoves Karen to life. Yeah. I thought she was like, oh my god, she's either gonna be like half fucking dead or like dead dead. And I was like, but no, she's she's good. The next scene she's walking around. So I'm like, okay, he he let her go, that's good. So now it basically is a boss fight between Wesley Snipes and Steven Dorff. Blade jumps down and goes, Deacon Wilma and Queen goes like, I can take you, and suddenly Blade just cuts his freaking head off. He dusts them and grabs his sunglasses. Oh, yeah. He cuts his head off in one foul swoop and grabs his shades from midair, puts them on, and it's like, oh, yeah. So he gets to fight all these fucking vampires. While this is going on, Karen sneaks up behind another guard, grabs his shotgun, and blows him away. Now Blade's fighting all these underlings, and Karen goes to fight... Deacon's girlfriend. It's an action scene. I'm not going to describe all the action. Like it's good though. It's, it's good. Fun. It's a great scene. There's one point where he uh, has the you know classic nut shot and then pushes him away. Yeah. Karen is shooting at Deacon's girlfriend, who's dodging all her shots. She gets a one point blank shot, and she gets the gun knocked out of her hand. And Karen pulls out the mace from the beginning and fucking squirts her in the mouth. <laughs> And Deacon's girlfriend's head blows up. Ba-boom. Yeah, not the best CGI in there either, but, you know, blowing up heads, I guess they weren't really uh, perfecting it that yet. So now we come to the boss fight, the sword fight. That's right, sword fight between Wesley Snipes' Blade and Stephen Dorff's Deacon Frost. Before we get to that, though, some might say it's the climax of climaxes. Yes. I think... It's time, Scott, for one of our favorite segments. Oh my gosh. Actually, I think it's our only segment. <laughs> Besides <laughs> the movie. Besides the actual show. <laughs> it's Cast Coulda Been. Oh! It's terrible time again. And you just might die of fright. It's a terrifying time. So, we do have uh, some interesting cast could have been for our two main fellas here. Let's start with player one, Blade. So, I'm going to give you three names. Okay. What I want you to do, Scott, since we only have three names, I want you to rate them for me. Okay. One, two, and three. Best, second best, worst. After Wesley, yeah. Okay. Right. So, number one. Okay. Lawrence Fishburne. Okay. Number two. Denzel Washington. Ooh, wow, okay. Sexy-ass Denzel. And the number three, Mr. LL Cool J. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. Foot suckers and fear. Making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. Ooh, okay. So, I have a feeling I, I, I'm going to rate the same way as you, but let's see. Okay, so number three is LL Cool J. What a shock. That is. Actually, I think this is 
more difficult than you think. Because I don't see Denzel as an action guy. No, don't get me wrong. He does it later on in his career. Right. Denzel has training day at this point. Which he was pretty buff at that point. He was, he's very buff. For look-wise, Denzel is 100 times better than Lawrence Fishburne. Me, in my mind, that's what I'm picturing. Like, I'm picturing that opening scene. Yeah. Like, where he walks in the blood club. Yeah. With that ensemble. Yeah, like, Denzel, Denzel. Denzel will pull that off. Killing it. I think Lawrence would be better for the action parts of it. But Denzel is... No offense to Lawrence Fishburne, you're a great actor. I love you as an actor. Denzel will blow you away anytime you would talk about acting chops. I think Lawrence Fishburne... The cadence, at least, kind of similar to his thing in The Matrix. Thing. Yeah. So tell me, Scott, so what is your final ranking? So it probably goes Denzel 1, Fishburne a close 2, and then LL Cool J. Yes, I concur with that. Um, Alright, so now let's move on to Deacon Frost. Player 2. So we have one person who was uh, actually offered the role, but did another movie instead. And then we have two others that were kind of like in the mix. So okay. let's start out with Mr. Jet Lee. He turned down the role for Lethal Weapon 4, which, uh, why? Okay, well, you have no idea what this is going to be. Right, I get that. But like, on paper, I feel like this sounds more epic than Lethal Weapon 4. But that's a proven success. But was Lethal Weapon 3 a success? Was Lethal Weapon still like... Well, Nick and Bank by that point? Well, Lethal Weapon 1 and Lethal Weapon 2 are both great movies. Lethal Weapon 3, yeah, it started to go downhill, but it still made money because the first two were so good. So that's why you get Lethal Weapon 4. Yeah, at that point, you you go with Lethal Weapon 4. Okay, I mean, I disagree, but you know, I, I'm not an expert at this Again. Hollywood business, but it, it, I think it would have been really cool if oh, it was in this. Well, yeah, you, this fight scene would have been freaking yeah, epic. Yeah, that would have been fucking wild as fuck. Other actors who were in the running were Mark Wahlberg. Okay. That's not a bad choice. I would have been cool with that. I like Mark Wahlberg. It would have... And then the other one, I don't know if you're going to know him by his name, Pete Ulrich, the boyfriend villain from Scream. I don't really believe in motive, Sid. I mean, did Norman Bates have a motive? No. Did they ever really decide why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? Don't think so. See, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive, Sid. So he, he kind of has like a similar look to Stephen Dwork. Yeah. He's kind of like scrawny. Kind of like a, a human version of that purple villain guy from Monster Inc. Oh, uh, Randall. Yes. Kind of like that. So where would you rank those three? Jet Li, obviously. Yeah, Jet, one. Jet Li's one. Easy. Uh, it, probably, it probably goes in that order. It probably goes in the order that you presented to me. Jet Li, Mark Wahlberg. Dorf doesn't do a whole lot of action scenes, you know, because... Yeah, Dorf isn't, like, bad. His character is kind of, like, shifty and a little over the top at times, but not, like, bad. Like, I honestly was expecting it to be worse than it was. So, yeah, they're having this sword battle. And it's pretty even for a little bit. But then Blade cuts him in half. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That was one of the worst CGI moments ever. So he cuts Deacon in half and, like... The top half of his body, like, flies upward, and it's just, like, a trail of blood. But it doesn't look like blood. It looks like fucking, like, grape jelly. And when he cuts off his hand at one point... The, the hand just kind of reforms oh, into, yeah, yeah, into yeah. like, grape jelly. Like, it, it looks bad. Oh, but when it, when it happens, though, Blade thinks that he killed him. So he, like, turns around to walk away. Do, 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 do. And then he, like, 
turns around and he like mouths, fuck. <laughs> and it's like, oh, me too, Blade. Me too, honey. I don't get it. What's happening either? Dorf's like, my turn. And he does like a speedy Gonzalez where he runs around and then just punches Blade. It's really dumb. It really is stupid. And part of me understands because Stephen Dorf, as Frankie has stated before, is not an intimidating figure. Right. And he's not a fighter. This this becomes the issue about when you hire a guy who's not able to fight, especially up to the level of Wesley Snipes. So you have to kind of mask that in a way. So you made it a little cartoony here. So he gets the upper hand. He starts beating down Blade a bit. And Blade sees the blue bomber serum. Yeah, like hanging on the, the rocks above. So he throws his sword at it. And it doesn't, like, he's trying to, like, hit it to bring it down. But it doesn't get it. But it's, like, wedged in there. But then you remember the, the spikes on the, the handle. Yeah. So while it's sitting up there, it, like, ticks for a couple seconds. And then, boom, the spikes come out, shake the rocks a little bit. And the blue bombers fall down right into Blade's hand. So Deacon's like, what the hell are you going to do with that? Because he still thinks it's just a serum. And Blade takes one. Throws it into Deacon. Deacon's like, what the knocks it off him. Jumps up to attack him, and Blade just starts pelting him with him. Deacon lands, and he's got like five of them in him. And Blade looks at him and says the best freaking line. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate up Bill. <laughs> Which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Wesley Snipes kind of like came up with. Yeah. It's like, a weird freaking line. <laughs> it's super weird, and it seems like super out of nowhere. But, like, it works somehow. Like, it's just a really, like, ooh, okay. (laughs) It might be one of my favorite lines. Yeah, and then he gives, like, this little, like, smile, like, see you later, alligator. (laughs) And then he fucking throws the last blue bomber serum, and he kicks it into Deacon's fucking head. And Deacon explodes. So, yay, ding dong, the vampire is dead. Karen, like, the head blade. (laughs) What's going on down there? And he's like, let's go. <laughs> let's get out of here. And then they go outside and Karen's like, okay, well, we got to get you back to the lab so I can get you a cure. He's like, I don't want your cure. And I was like, oh, I saw this coming a mile away. He goes, make me a better serum. <laughs> yeah, make me a better serum because there are still vampires and evildoers out there that I must fight. And then we cut to Moscow. This guy's walking this girl, they talk in Russian, he goes, oh, it's a surprise where I'm taking you. And suddenly, he attacks the girl, he's about to bite her, and Blade comes out speaking Russian, going, oh, did I catch you at a bad time, comrade? And then, whoosh, and credits. <laughs> yeah, if this was a lesser movie, Karen and Blade kiss at the end. For sure. In the beginning, I thought that that's where it was going to go. At some point, once we got, like, more into the movie, I was like, okay, I don't think they're going for, like, a romance thing, which is good. Like, I'm glad. Honestly. Like, not every movie has ended in a romance. Yeah. Like, you know, not every movie with a guy and a girl has to end with them making out for no reason. So, that is Blade. Yay! So, Frankie, what's your final opinion on Blade and second question? Oh, it's a two-parter. And a two-parter. Would you be willing to watch the sequel? Well, <laughs> um, I definitely did enjoy it. Is it a perfect movie? No. Give it a solid three on Letterboxd because while there were scenes that I really enjoyed and overall the character of Blade I got a real kick out of, I think Wesley Snipes did a fantastic job. 
there definitely were issues both with certain characters, the storytelling in general, the CGI. But overall, yes, I I really did enjoy this movie. I think Wesley Snipes really kind of carried it home for me. And I would definitely want to watch the sequel. Okay. You know, I think I have it as a four on Letterbox, but I probably watching it again this time. Yeah, there's a lot that stands out. It's a lot very weird and hard to kind of... I probably would knock it down to about a 3.5. So, next week, I will be introducing Scott to a movie. It will be kind of a unique venture for us. Usually, we don't go too far back in time in our little movie-watching DeLorean. But uh, this time, we'll be going back to the 60s, man. Yo, man. Groovy. I'm not going to tell you which one, because if you listen to the show, I never do. She's a little bit of a tease like that. Stay tuned <laughs> next week, and maybe Scott will be here as well. <laughs> so until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick, and make sure you check out our weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and a bunch of other places, yes. too. And make sure you come back next week for a brand spanking new movie adventure. Adios. You hear the beating of your heart, you know the screaming's